I thank you, my Heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have graciously kept me this day. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me. Amen. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. Give the king your justice, O God, and your righteousness to the royal son. May he judge your people with righteousness, and your poor with justice. Let the mountains bear prosperity for the people, and the hills in righteousness. May he defend the cause of the poor of the people, give deliverance to the children of the needy, and crush the oppressor. May they fear you while the sun endures, and as long as the moon throughout all generations. May he be like rain that falls on the mown grass, like showers that water the earth. In his days may the righteous flourish, and peace abound till the moon be no more. May he have dominion from sea to sea, and from the river to the ends of the earth. May desert tribes bow down before him, and his enemies lick the dust. May the kings of Tarshish and of the coastlands render him tribute. May the kings of Sheba and Seba bring gifts. May all kings fall down before him, all nations serve him. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who alone does wondrous things. We stand out of respect for the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the second chapter. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when it rose, and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And assembling all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. They told him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for so it is written by the prophet, And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for from you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod summoned the wise men secretly and ascertained from them what time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem, saying, Go and search diligently for the child, and when you have found him, bring me word that I too may come and worship him. After listening to the king, they went on their way. And behold, the star that they had seen when it rose went before them until it came to rest over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. And going into the house, they saw the child with Mary his mother, and they fell down and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, 
they offered him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned in a dream not to return to Herod, they departed to their own country by another way. The Gospel of the Lord. Arise, shine, for your light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. And nations shall come to your light, and kings to the brightness of your rising. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon you. Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our text is taken from the epistle for the festival of the Epiphany, St. Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 3, verses 1 to 12. For this reason, I, Paul, a prisoner for Christ Jesus on behalf of you Gentiles, assuming that you have heard of the stewardship of God's grace that was given to me for you, how the mystery was made known to me by revelation, as I have written briefly. When you read this, you can perceive my insight into the mystery of Christ, which was not made known to the sons of men in other generations, as it has now been revealed to his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. This mystery is that the Gentiles are fellow heirs, members of the same body, and partakers of the promise of Christ Jesus through the gospel. Of this gospel I was made a minister according to the gift of God's grace, which was given me by the working of his power. To me, 
Though I am the very least of all the saints, this grace was given to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. This is our text. Have you had an epiphany? The word epiphany means a manifestation of God, and we use it to mean someone who's had a, a sudden insight that changes everything. The word was first used by kings, successors to Alexander the Great, who claimed to be God's gift to humankind. One of these Epiphanius kings persecuted the Jews, leading to the revolt of the Maccabees, the story that lies behind the Jewish festival of Hanukkah. The church celebrates the epiphanies of our Lord, the manifestations of Christ's Godhead. It marks the end of the Christmas season and the beginning of the epiphany season in the church. In the Eastern church, the festival of the epiphany focuses on the baptism of Christ, for there the Father was revealed speaking to the Son, the Son receiving the baptism, and the Holy Spirit coming upon him in the form of a dove. The entire three persons of the Trinity were manifested. This is sometimes called a theophany. And we in the Western Church observe this on the Sunday following the Epiphany. Other epiphanies, manifestations of Jesus' Godhead include his turning water into wine at the wedding of Cana. But the first of the epiphanies, according to the Western Church, is the star that guided the wise men. And because these wise men, these magi, were the first Gentiles, the first non-Jews to acknowledge Christ as Lord, we sometimes call Epiphany the Gentiles' Christmas. You may have noticed in Isaiah 60 and Psalm 72 that the Gentiles, the non-Jews, are portrayed as kings coming to offer gold and myrrh on camels from Midian and other places. That's why these wise men, these magi, are often portrayed as kings, not because Matthew says they were, but because they are the first in a long line of Gentiles to acknowledge Christ as Lord. You and I are among the Gentiles. You and I have gotten in line to acknowledge Jesus Christ as the Savior, not only of the Jews, but of the Gentiles. And that's the main idea in Paul's epistle for today, that the unsearchable riches of Christ are for the nations. Because that's what the word Gentiles means. In Greek, the word is ethnos, where we get the term ethnic on the one hand and heathen on the other. The nations. Sometimes that word is used inclusively to include Israel, 
but more often than not, exclusively the nations besides Israel. And Israel, with its consciousness as being the chosen people of God to receive the covenant of Moses, often wrote off the Gentiles. But in the coming of Christ, it became understood among those who accepted Jesus as the Jewish Messiah that he came not only for the Jews, but also for the Gentiles, for all the nations. That's the story of the book of Acts, if you've ever read it through. How Peter begins as the apostle to the Jews, preaching to Israel, and the second half of the book is St. Paul, who comes after the twelve apostles to preach to the other nations of the Roman Empire. Well, these unsearchable riches of Christ are for the nations, and Paul makes it clear two points today. First, that the church, meaning the believers, are the evidence that Christ's riches are for the Gentiles. And secondly, that the church, the believers, are the agent of sharing these riches with the nations. In the first place, the believers, the church, are the evidence that the riches are intended for all nations. As I said, at first Christ was perceived as the Jewish Messiah. St. Paul acknowledges this. I was sent to the Jew first and also to the Gentile. You know the story of Christmas which illustrates this. First the angel spoke to the shepherds of Israel and then God sent the star to guide the wise men representing the Gentiles. When our Lord chose 12 apostles, he chose 12 apostles to mirror the 12 tribes of Israel. They were to be the new Israel, and he sent them to all the lost sheep of Israel. But then, after the 12 had begun their work, St. Paul was called as an apostle to the Gentiles. And a fuller understanding prevailed that Christ's forgiveness and grace is for all nations the mystery was revealed that God's will toward the nations is to save them through Christ. You can see it clearly through hindsight in the promise God gave to Abraham. Through you, through your seed, shall all the nations of the world be blessed. Christ is that seed of Abraham who blesses all the nations of the world. And this is the good news that Paul preached to anyone who would listen. So now Jewish and Gentile believers are united in a bond of love. They are members of one body. This is the theme of the second half of Paul's letter to the Romans. And he warns us Gentiles, don't be proud that you've supplanted the Jews as God's people. Rather, you are like wild olive branches who have been grafted onto the tree of Israel. And what if some of them didn't believe? Not all of Abraham's descendants are heirs of the promise, Paul points out. So we must never imagine that the gospel is not for the Jews. It is for them first. And we, as Gentiles, are also included in God's grace. And the church, which is made up of Jewish as well as Gentile believers, is the evidence that this is so. But more than this, the church, that is to say the believers, are the agent 
of sharing these riches with the nations. For we serve God by bringing His grace to others. When we have been joined to Christ, we become His members, members to reach out to others, filling human needs and showing God's love for others. We do this first off as models, how we live our lives and how we treat others. That's why how we conduct our lives is so important to Christians for how we act, how we give, where we put our time and interest shows whether Christ is Lord for us or not. So we need to examine our lives and see if Christ is Lord in our lives. Now this doesn't mean that we have to be conspicuously different as some of the holiness bodies maintain. It's not that we are not allowed to be interested in football or television, but is Christ Lord? If we're more excited about football or television than we are about the Lord, then something is wrong. We are not, in fact, Christ's people. Not if we worship the television or the football team and give them more time and attention, more love and concern than we do our Savior and His mission. And so we are called not only to be models in how we live, but workers as well, intentionally witnessing. And that's why we gather together as a congregation, that we may have a place to teach children, to invite peers to hear God's word, to visit those who are sick or in need, to pray with others and for others. If you're not quite sure how to manifest your witness, Think of it this way, whenever someone shares with you a need or a concern or a sorrow or something like this, offer to pray for them. There are so many people who would not pray themselves but are thankful and pleased that you would manifest your concern and love for them by taking a moment to pray. They may not be willing to pray with you in that moment, but to know that you are praying for them is one of the seeds that God uses to build his kingdom and give faith to others. As I say, our congregation is a means of bringing grace to others. As Paul says, he is a servant of the gospel, not a cause. And he is a servant of the gospel, not of the people. We need to be clear about this. I am your fellow minister to encourage, to help, to serve in Jesus' name. But you too are also ministers. We serve one another and we reach out to others. Ministers are not employees of the congregation, although we are accountable to our fellow believers. I, as your minister, am accountable to you for you through your offerings to the Lord provide support and enable me to do ministry on your behalf in this community. And I am, of course, accountable to you for my work on your behalf. But this is fellow ministers in the church of God. And therefore, every congregational activity must be viewed in light of our mission. Now, we, a couple of years ago, agreed on a mission statement, and here it is. The mission of St. John's Lutheran Church 
is to conserve and promote the true faith of our Lord Jesus Christ in our members, our community, and our world. So all of our activities need to be seen in light of this mission. So when we have a dinner or manifest hospitality, this has to be seen in light of serving Christ. We do so in Jesus' name. We manifest the love of Christ in these kinds of activities, not merely as a secular social club. Even our flea markets can be seen in the light of this mission. How can we conserve and promote the true faith of our Lord Jesus Christ through this economic activity? Well, our evangelism committee in the past has passed out flyers and given invitations. We've been in contact with people in need. Some of these are people who live on the edge, economically speaking, and we've been privileged to help out certain individuals there. Now, it would be so easy to just let that activity go on and collect a little rent. And some have complained that our church is known as the church of the flea markets. Well, in humility, we can accept that if we use these flea markets in accordance with our mission. If we can manifest the love of Christ through the way we treat the strangers who come onto our campus and give them that invitation, that takes effort on our part. But effort inspired by the Holy Spirit. And the point is not to defend or, or object to these particular activities. It's that every activity we undertake in this community needs to serve the mission of sharing the riches of Christ with the nations. That's why we are affiliated with the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Other congregations and schools that share our understanding of the faith and our commitment to our Lord. So we work with other congregations to maintain ministries of human care, of education, and especially theological education, and missions, the outreach of the gospel to others through our Michigan district, to other communities in Michigan, through our Lutheran Church Missouri Synod, to other nations throughout the world, through mission societies like the Lutheran Heritage Foundation, about which we will hear on the last Sunday of January from Pastor Marshall, we are able to help support and promote the true faith among developing cultures and nations and churches on many continents. Our synod and district help us bring God's grace in Christ to the world outside of Michigan, and we make this our own through our prayers, through our offerings, through our understanding that the unsearchable riches of Christ are not for us alone, but are for the nations. We call this aspect of the Christian life stewardship, the stewardship of God's grace. And as we begin the new year, it is well to ask ourselves, what are we going to do with God's grace? The wise men traveled through many nations and brought precious gifts to present to the Christ. That's how they made use of the insight and grace that was given to them. But then they had an epiphany. Well, Christ is manifest to you through the words of the gospel that God has in store for you an eternal life through Jesus Christ 
and that is to change and give meaning and direction to your present life. May God guide all of us by the star of His grace in the year ahead that we may share the unsearchable riches of Christ with others. Amen. Amen. May that peace of God that surpasses understanding keep our hearts and minds through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. Amen. century-old St. John's Lutheran Church of Taylor, Michigan, comes the coast-to-coast edition of Martin Luther's Evening Prayer. The message from God's Word is prepared and delivered by Rev. Dr. Richard Ziley 
And this local broadcast is made possible by the generosity of hearers like you. You may like us on Facebook, Martin Luther's Evening Prayer. May God bless your listening.